The information in this skill is provided for informational and educational purposes only. Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Multiple Sclerosis Flash Briefings. Hi, I'm Price Wildridge, and you're listening to Multiple Sclerosis News Today's Audio News. These are today's news highlights curated by our editorial staff. Visit our website at multiplesclerosisnewstoday.com for more relevant news and patient perspectives. Sexual dysfunction in MS, real, but often ignored. Neurologists survey. Neurologists in Colombia agree that sexual dysfunction is burdensome and affects quality of life in major ways for people with multiple sclerosis, but some still don't ask their patients about it, a survey study reported. Findings also reveal that many neurologists there do not use formal tools to evaluate sexual dysfunction, and most don't prescribe treatment, referring patients to a specialist instead. Main reasons that sexual difficulties with MS go underdiagnosed and undertreated, particularly for patients cared for outside an MS specialty program, include a lack of time or knowledge and the presence of another person during the examination. It is necessary to strengthen knowledge about the diagnosis and treatment of sexual dysfunction and imperative to eliminate barriers around the topic and include sexual function evaluation and treatment as the routine care, researchers wrote. The survey-based study, Assessment of Sexual Dysfunction in Patients with Multiple Sclerosis, a Perspective from Neurologists, was published in BMC Neurology. Sexual dysfunction is common in people with MS, affecting an estimated 50 to 90 percent of men and 40 to 80 percent of women. It can have substantial impact on a patient's self-esteem, relationships, and other aspects of health, all of which relate to quality of life. Sexual dysfunction often not part of comprehensive MS care. Despite its prevalence and impact, sexual health is not always considered in examinations, with one large U.S. study finding that just over 20% of patients reported having been asked about it by their doctor. Considering the sizable impact sexual dysfunction has on quality of life, self-image, self-esteem, and interpersonal relationships, Sexual function needs to be addressed and included as part of the comprehensive care of patients with MS, the researchers wrote. A team with the Universidad del Rosario in Bogota set out to examine how neurologists in Colombia address sexual function in their clinics using a 20-question survey delivered via email in September 2020. A total of 45 physicians with experience treating MS patients responded to the survey. Of them, 21 occasionally treated MS, 11 usually did, and 13 in an MS-specific program. Most, 28 doctors, or 56%, had been caring for patients for more than 10 years. All surveyed neurologists considered sexual dysfunction of importance, and most, 91.1%, said their patients usually or frequently ask about sexual health. Still, some neurologists, 18.8%, working outside an MS program reported never having asked their patients about sexual function. All doctors with an MS program or center, in contrast, reported asking about sexual health. The main reasons for not discussing sexual dysfunction included lack of knowledge, 65.1%, patients bringing a companion to an appointment, 65.1%, and lack of time, 55.8%. Less frequently reported reasons included not enough skills to manage the topic, 
16.3%. Feelings of discomfort or anxiety when addressing the issue, 14%. Cultural or religious factors, 14%. Or that treating sexual dysfunction is not part of their role, 2.3%. In evaluating sexual dysfunction, 80% of doctors reported asking related but informal questions, although 64.4% were aware that formal questionnaires, like the Multiple Sclerosis Intimacy and Sexuality Questionnaire, MSISQ, existed. This conduct can be explained by the lack of time available during the consultation or lack of training on how to apply and interpret these questionnaires, the researchers wrote. Neurologists with an MS program or clinic were more likely to use these tools, 38%, than those in more general health care facilities, 12%. Additional tests for evaluating sexual dysfunction, including MRIs, nerve conduction examinations of the genitals, or a hormone profile, were reported to be requested by 20% of surveyed physicians. Patient with identified problem often sent to another specialist. Upon detecting sexual dysfunction, 91% of neurologists said they refer their patients to another specialist, typically a gynecologist or urologist, and most, 87%, don't initiate any treatment. Researchers said that a broader implementation of tools like the MSISQ or the Sexual Dysfunction Management and Expectations Assessment in MS is needed to better address these common problems in MS and make them easier to talk about. Such questionnaires also can help to identify the underlying causes of sexual dysfunction an important consideration when choosing a treatment. Moreover, including sexual dysfunction topics in conferences, symposia, and local education sessions addressed by neurological associations or MS programs could be a plausible and useful strategy to strengthen sexual function knowledge, the researchers wrote. The study noted that only 15.3% of doctors with the Columbian Association of Neurology responded to the survey, meaning its findings may not be practicable to all neurologists practicing in Columbia, its brief nature also marks a study limitation. Our survey only provides a broad landscape of the perceptions of patients and the approach taken to evaluate and manage sexual dysfunction in patients with multiple sclerosis, the researchers wrote. Nonetheless, this study opens the possibility of continuing to research the different symptoms that people with MS present and that impact their quality of life and the importance of multidisciplinary management. This news article was written by Lindsay Shapiro, Ph.D., on October 10, 2022. Click the link in the description below to read more on this and other topics of interest on the MS News Today's website. The MS Wire, a column by Ed Tobias, published on October 7, 2022. Is your disability ready for an emergency, like Hurricane Ian? I thought it would never happen to me. I've lost count of the number of times I've heard someone utter that phrase during my four decades in the news media. Last week it happened to me. About three years ago, my wife and I bought a condo as a wintertime escape from cold, wet, snowy winters in Maryland. Our Florida home is in Punta Gorda, one of the communities hardest hit by Hurricane Ian. During the storm, TV reporters showed metal, apparently from a rooftop air conditioner, wrapped around a telephone pole in our downtown. I know it's a cliché but palm trees in our community were snapped like toothpicks or yanked from the ground, roots and all. The Weather Channel's Jim Cantore was hunkered down inside a Punta Gorda parking garage for many of his reports. 
as the back end of the eye wall passed over the downtown area. There was no water for a day, and the power in our community was out for a little over four days. There was a good deal more damage in Fort Myers, about 40 minutes to our south. You've probably seen the pictures of 50- and 60-foot boats shoved onto the shore by wind and storm surge, piled onto each other like toys in a messy kid's room. As I write this, nearly a week after Ian struck, the search continues in the Fort Myers area for people who may be trapped and alive. According to CBS News and other news organizations, more than 100 people have died in the storm, most of them in Florida. My wife and I are thanking our lucky stars that we were in Maryland when Ian struck our Florida home, sheltering from the storm. But what if we'd been in Florida when Ian threatened? Where would we have gone? How would we have fared? Because of my multiple sclerosis, I'm pretty much stuck to my scooter to get around. I can only walk a short distance without it, and then I typically use two canes. My wife has her own medical issues. Had we been there, we might have been forced into a hurricane shelter, along with our stubborn, noisy Yorkie-poo and our giant, rough-and-tough Maine Coon cat. Not an appealing thought. We might have evacuated to a hotel away from the most dangerous area, but that's also not easy to do. We might also have elected to shelter in place. Our condo is a very sturdy building, and it weathered the storm without major damage. But with a shift of a couple of miles, we might have been hit with a storm surge. We could have been trapped, as so many people were. Is your disability ready for a disaster? People with a disability like MS need to be ahead of the planning curve, whether we're making a trip to the grocery store or a concert or sheltering from a disaster. What would you do if a hurricane, a wildfire, or a blizzard threatened? In Florida, the state's emergency management website has several tips for a person with a disability. Two of them seem to be particularly useful to people with MS. Practice how to quickly explain your condition and your adaptive equipment to someone who is helping you. Wheelchair users need to have more than one exit from their residence that is wheelchair accessible. Practice how to escape from your home. The American Red Cross also has an excellent detailed guide about how someone with a disability should prepare for a disaster. The Red Cross is one of the disaster agencies that sets up evacuation centers, which have people trained to help those with disabilities. Do things such as moving from a wheelchair to a cot or navigating a cafeteria-style food line. Many shelters provide shower stools, commode chairs, and other items a person with MS may need. In Florida, there are shelters designed specifically for people who need extra help because of a medical condition. But you can't just show up at a special needs shelter. Registration is required prior to an emergency, and a person with a disability must meet certain eligibility requirements. Other states may have similar shelters and requirements, so contacting emergency management officials where you live before a disaster hits should be part of your plan. We were very lucky. We didn't have to decide whether to hunker down or flee. Our power was out for a relatively short time. Our property seems to be okay. Nobody in our neighborhood was hurt, but I've started working on a more robust disaster plan for my family. Next time, we might not be as lucky. To read more columns from Ed Tobias and our other contributors, visit our website at multiplesclerosisnewstoday.com. Follow the link in the description below. This is MS News Today's Audio News. Subscribe to our channel and never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, it's safe. Thanks for tuning in. The information in our flash briefings and podcasts are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to Multiple Sclerosis News Today.
for the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. Discover more content that might be of interest to you at www.multiplesclerosisnewstoday.com. And be sure to follow us on social media and join our Multiple Sclerosis News Today forums, a trusted MS community ready to welcome you anytime.